Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Except for this day. Scott Warris sitting in for Jeff. He is taking a long weekend. He'll be back tomorrow in this normal time slot. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That's how you can get involved on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is here handling the phones as always. Eric Bilstad keeps us updated on the news as we roll through a Monday afternoon. As I said with uh, Steve Scafidi, today is the 25th anniversary of a, a, a rather significant moment in the country, in the country's sporting history, sporting world, if you will. And we're going to get to that a little bit later on because I'm just curious if any, if any remnants of this anniversary still remain here in 2019. I'm going to talk about silver alerts as well. I am... And I guess I have to admit, I am a little bit dulled, if that's the word to use, in a in an era and in a time and place here in, in, in our state anyway, where it seems like we're having a lot of silver alerts. And I fear that it is becoming rather, like I said, it, it's dulled to my senses. I, I, I apologize for admitting that. We had a couple of them over the weekend, I think in the last week at least we've had four maybe as many as five if i understand correctly all of them have ended correctly or or well with uh, the um person missing found safe and sound but there's something that is different between a silver alert and an amber alert when it comes to the attention that we as citizens give and i want to just see if you're with me on that as all at all but i want to start where a lot of People are starting their day. And that's the news that we found out on Saturday morning that Jeffrey Epstein had and has apparently, reportedly now, uh, committed suicide. I am completely on board with the outrage, although I'll admit this. I will admit this. I'm, I'm disappointed that Epstein is dead because and only if it prevents justice from being served, and it prevents closure and justice to the victims of the crimes that he committed, the acts that he was perpetrating, the ring of uh, evil, I'll say it, the ring of evil that he was perpetrating for all these years. So in that respect, I am disappointed by the turn of events this weekend. On the whole, however, to have somebody who is this evil no longer on the face of the earth, I'm sorry, I, I may be in the minority here, but I, I'm, I'm not losing sleep over the fact that this bad person, this evil person, is no longer walking the face of the earth. Again, at the expense of justice for the victims, at the expense of possible closure for the victims, that's what ticks me off. 
that they will certainly still get perhaps some semblance of closure. They'll get a day in court, but it will not be with Jeffrey Epstein on the other side of the courtroom and the opportunity to confront him face-to-face with the accusations and the crimes for which he was accused. Obviously, I think it's, it's safe to say that in the civil realm, the civil case will continue against Epstein's estate. The victims will, at some point, get some sort of financial payoff for their accusations and for the crimes against him. But will that really be the same as standing across from Jeffrey Epstein or sitting across from Epstein in a court of law and levying the complaints against him face-to-face? Probably not. So for those victims of his, for the accusers of his, I am saddened by the development. But as a society, as a people, the fact that Jeffrey Epstein is dead, ain't you ain't losing sleep over that. I, I'm just not, okay? What does that say about me? I, I don't know. But I think any that was my initial reaction when the news first surfaced on, on Saturday morning. There clearly is going to be an investigation, and Bob Barr is outraged. Other lawmakers are outraged that DOJ, the state of New York, is the FBI. There's going to be a very deep investigation into what exactly happened on Saturday morning. And what happened where you had on July 23rd, he attempted suicide, and less than a week later, he is off of suicide watch. And, and everybody has talked about it, and I think we know all the different layers of security, the layers of monitoring his condition and his situation that were not there. Those layers were not in place. The investigation will eventually flesh out as to why that is. But the angle that I want to hit on and I, I want your reaction to this as well at 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The conspiracy element of this, I don't get it. I, I really don't. And specifically to the Epstein story, yes. But in a larger realm, why? I asked earlier, is it an American thing or is it just a human response that many people are out there either peddling the conspiracy theories as to who was behind this, why it happened, what organizations, what high, powerful people were behind. Why? What is it that baits us into believing that? Do, do you believe there was something behind that? I don't. Now, when it comes to making somebody susceptible to conspiracies, I don't think I have the the traits, I'm not the type of person necessarily for which that I find myself peddling conspiracies. I'm a a pessimist by nature. I'm always kind of a skeptic when it comes right down to it. And so I think those maybe personality traits don't necessarily lend themselves to me buying into conspiracies. But I really am... I'm a little bit surprised as to how many people have in the last two days, in essence, 24 hours more specifically, I'm really surprised as to how many people have gone down the conspiracy trail. And the one of the bigger ones is the one that the Clintons were behind this. The Clintons, who have been Bill Clinton, had some interaction with Epstein several times over the decades, 
The Clintons were behind this. That was one of the things that the president retweeted. Well, I mean, if you really want to play that game, I mean, the president himself also had some interaction with Epstein at some point. So couldn't you also play that card? At any rate, the concept of conspiracies and the concept of buying into them interests me. And I'm curious if you can offer some insight as to why you think this is the case. If you want to make the case for the conspiracy, I'll give you a couple seconds to do that. I'm not necessarily anticipating using this platform to peddle conspiracies. That's something I'd rather not do, to be honest with you. But maybe if you're buying into it a little bit, you can tell me why. 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, on the Acunin Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is clearly one of the big stories right now nationally, and to the point that there's more to this story than meets the eye, is piquing a lot of interest. We'll continue with more next. Scott Warrison for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Scott Warris substituting for the dean of WTMJ talk show hosts, Jeff Wagner. Jeff is back tomorrow, taking a little extended weekend. Um, so I'm happy to be with you. We'll be with you until 3 o'clock, as always, 414-799-1620. Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can email me, scott.warris, W-A-R-R-A-S, scott.warris at WTMJ.com. Teeing off. Out of the gates with the Epstein saga. Oh, it's a saga, all right. Oh, it's going to be a saga if it isn't already. And the angle that I that interests me today, I mean, this is 24, I, less than 72 hours since his death, is the, is the conspiracy theories that are being put out there. It just seems as if this is something that is, is kind of like a... a, a uh, a forest fire. It's spreading very quickly. There's a few factors in play as to why that is. But why do we, as humans, as Americans, why are, why are so many anyway? I'm not one of them, admittedly. But why do so many people buy into these things so easily, so quickly, so hook, line, and sinker? I find that interesting. This is not the first time. There are plenty of other examples. We can get into that. Are you yourself buying into the conspiracy right now? And like I said, I'm not looking to use this platform to peddle the conspiracies. That's not what I want. I may give you a couple seconds to, you know, explain why you're buying into this if you are. Jeff Wagner is out, so we're going to make up for it with having a couple of Jeffs call in. How about that? Let's start with uh, the one on the south side first. Hey, Jeff, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? All right, Jeff. So conspiracy theories. Are you are you a conspiracy theorist? <laughs> no, no. Okay. In fact, here's my here. I got a couple of things for you. Uh, the conspiracy was brought on by Trump and the Fox Network. What I get. That's all said and done. I, uh, that, my my question to you and to your listeners. All right. This he took he committed suicide. I have no doubt about it. Somebody messed up in the in the law enforcement. But the thing is. Was he so scared that maybe the government was going to get to him that there was more people involved in his in his dealing that he had he was afraid to be broken that there might have been more people involved in everything? 
Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That is one of the things, Jeff, that has been brought up in terms of the one of the one of the disappointments, if you will, of the fact that Jeffrey Epstein is no longer a living human being is that. Well, what about the other names? Now, I think there's a pretty good a pretty good chance that other names, other high-profile individuals across the country and across the world, those names may still those names may still come out because of documentation and because of others who are now in, who were involved in this, including um, uh, the woman's name. Last name is Maxwell. I forget her first name. Uh, she is, I think, now going to become a real focal point, even more so, of this investigation. So. I think we may still find out who some of the other big names are, and we learned some. That, that was another one. That was another thing, Jeff. I mean, you had Friday. Friday, there was the release of that uh, complaint, and we learned the names of of uh, other men who were accused by that one woman. Names like former uh, New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson, former uh, U.S. Senator uh, G- George Mitchell. Um, uh, famous attorney Alan Dershowitz uh, were just some of the names that we learned of on Friday, on Friday, and then Saturday morning, <laughs> Epstein is is dead. So I certainly understand the point you're making, and I think that very question is what is fueling people who who enjoy taking a stroll on the grassy knoll. If, if, well, my, if you follow me there, yeah. But the question is, are they going to get? Do they have enough evidence to? Convict anybody? I don't know. I well, mean, do you know? No. I, look, I, I, I do not know, and I think we will now find this out. i got to let you go. Thanks for the call, Jeff. We will now find out the answer to that question, because right now the entire case was focused on Epstein, and now that he is no longer part of a criminal trial, I mean, that goes away when the man stops breathing. Now we'll find out if they go after, and they would have anyway, but now I think the spotlight brightens on um, uh, that woman, Maxwell, I gotta look up her first name. I can't remember her first name now. I think the spotlight brightens on her. Don't forget that the civil case will now be brought against Epstein's estate. So information will still come out. But the point that Jeff made that were there other high level people in society across the world, were there other bigger names to come out? And was he going to blow the whistle on them as well? Well, that that's one of the questions that is fanning the flames of conspiracies. 1227, in two minutes, we'll hear from Jeff in West Dallas. If you want to ch- chime in, you can as well. 414-799-1620. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. Scott in for Jeff. Let's quickly head to West Dallas. Oh, form a fellow West Elysian. Let's bring in another Jeff. Hi, Jeff. What say you? Where are you on the Scott. conspiracy theorist spectrum? Scott, thanks for taking my call. Hey. Real quick, first of all, um, just as a, as a, as a press, someone that works in the suicide prevention field and mental health, uh, usually when we report about it, we say died by suicide instead of committed suicide, only because that kind of puts a negative connotation to suicide. Uh, setting aside the fact that he was a piece of human trash, just for mental health purposes, I just wanted to throw that out there really quick. Um, sure. But, I mean, my, my take on the whole thing, I think you have politics involved, and you look at any conspiracy, be it UFOs, uh, Kennedy assassination, uh, this is another going to turn into another big one. When there's politics at stake, when you've got the left and the right both having issues and things at stake and seats in the House and in the Senate at stake and a presidency at stake, 
they're going to find any little thing they can to hop on and, and politicize immediately. And this is obviously a very huge one to politicize. He's hung out with the Clintons. He's mm-hmm. hung out with Trump in the past. I know Trump had banned him from his Mar-a-Lago golf cars. So there was mm-hmm. Trump had kind of distanced himself from that. But uh, any time there's politics involved, and it's a really heated race in the next year, I mean, if they're going to want to see what they can make and what they can politicize out of anything. Let me ask you this, Jeff. You said you work in the field of mental health, correct? I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, when you heard that he had died by suicide when yes. uh, on Saturday morning, and, and, and then you learned about some of the facts, as we have known in terms of um, the lack of supervision and other safeguards to keep this from happening, from somebody who works in that industry, what is your reaction to this? Can you understand or fathom this type of breakdown of the system? Well, you have to see this. This man clearly had a lot of issues underlying for to have that many accusers and this type of accusations leveled against him. Uh, I don't know about you or I, but I don't think you or I are capable of doing something like that. And if we were, if the uh, accusations were put against us, you know, we would do everything within our power to fight it and to, you know, hire a legal team. And you know, Epstein certainly is a man with the means to hire the best legal team possible and get himself out of it. But, mm-hmm. If he had done something like that, he had other mental issues at stake, and whatever it was was building up inside of him couldn't take that anymore. And it also probably falls on the people that were supervising him. If somebody's on suicide watch, what are the what are the protocols after they're off suicide watch? How are we you know, making sure that those people are taken care of so they don't take their lives? Because in a high-profile case like this, you need the accused to be there, I would think. So I think you look at a lot of yeah. factors from the mental health perspective. Sure. Jeff, I appreciate it. Uh, have a great day, man. Thanks. And there's a little bit of uh, insight into that realm that uh, obviously I, I, I do not have, and that's, uh, I think, some value added there. The fact he was taken off a of suicide watch. Again, that's just one of those elements in play that feed the conspiracy narrative. Um, there is one, uh, one more point I want to make when we come back. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. a couple of final comments. Scott Warris in for Jeff on this Monday. Mr. Wagner is back tomorrow. I'm with you until 3 o'clock. That's when John and Melissa take over. Just a couple of closing comments on the conspiracy theory behind the Epstein suicide, apparent suicide. And I asked the question, why do people fall prey to conspiracies? I think part of it is voluntary. I think there's a certain... Um, a certain type of person that just prefers to think down that realm, more so because it equates to a more intriguing story of some sort. It's more movie-like. When the truth of the matter is, conspiracies have been debunked, many of them have been debunked, when the truth of the matter is, is that truth is a lot more boring. That's what it comes down to. I mean, I, I really think when it comes to this Epstein situation, and, as I've said, investigations will play out. Hopefully they are as thorough as possible. And I'll, I could be proven wrong, but I think we'll find the answer eventually. I think when it comes down to it, the truth of the matter is that there were just a, a few individuals, a few employees of this correctional facility that failed to do their job. Simple as that. But that's not exciting enough for some people. That's not thrilling enough that's not a sexy enough thought process when the truth of the matter may very well be that as has been reported there was an excess of overtime for 
some of the the guards, if you will, some of the men and women uh, charged with monitoring this particular cell block. The, the bigger question for me is, m- more so than why was there nobody watching in that 30-minute interval, why was he taking, taken off of, of the suicide watch? What, six, six days after he apparently uh, tried it already? That is the bigger question. But when it comes down to why nobody was checking on him in the intervals that I guess was supposed to be, why was the camera not working? I really think that in the end, it just comes down to a couple people for whatever reason, and we'll find those out. It might be fireable, but for whatever reason, they just did not follow through on their responsibilities. Which reminds me of how often in life, and I've made this point before and in society, so much is based on just men and women doing their job. Just do your job. And the level of of safety for some of us that is dependent upon people just doing their job. I mean, I, I always use the example of the TSA. For you know, we, we, we have all this bureaucracy and all these levels of security when it comes to our safety in air travel. But at the end of it all, what it really comes down to is that particular TSA worker doing his or her job at the airport in the security line, right? And if they don't, there could be larger problems down the line. But if they're in a good mood, we all have bad days, we all have good days, we all have days where we are as conscientious as anybody can be doing our job. There are other days where, man, it's just tough to get into the, the, the job. Maybe you had something happen at home and you're just not into the job that day. You know, I think we've all had that, no matter what you do. Well, in the matter of the TSA, it, it it's, could be life or death. In the matter of this case, it was life or death for Epstein, perhaps. Do you understand the point that I'm making? That at the end of it all, it very well might just come down to a couple of workers, a couple of employees of the facility, not simply doing the job that they were supposed to do. Now, does that satisfy a lot of people? No. They want something a lot more intriguing and thrilling and exhilarating and box office-like. And that's really just not the case. Social media plays a role in this. I think we all recognize and agree that social media allows for the flames to be fanned when that wasn't the case that's a decade, two decades ago and, and, and before that. So social media certainly provides a platform for this and for all kinds of conspiracies. But at the end of it all, it, it might just come down to people not doing their job. And is that exciting? Is that thrilling? Is that... Does that make for great headlines? No. But... That might just be the truth. And then you have to decide whether or not you want to believe it. Because I guarantee you this, no matter what comes of the investigation, here's the other thing, whatever comes of the investigation, just like whatever came of the uh, the Warren report, the, the Warren Commission, into the assassination of, of President Kennedy, whatever came of it, Lee Harvey Oswald, lone shooter, lone gunman, he killed Kennedy, some people just choose to ignore that. 
9-11 conspiracy theorists choose to ignore fact, right? There's all kinds of them. I mean, I'm on the spectrum of conspiracies. Is Hitler still walking around somewhere? The moon landing. We talked about this in the last month or so with the anniversary. There's still people out there that don't believe that don't believe we actually landed on the moon. Is Elvis still walking around out there somewhere? All kinds of things that feed conspiracy theories, and people just choose to not believe fact when the facts indeed have been proven. And I think that'll be the case here too. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Twelve forty nine. A Wagnerless edition of the Jeff Wagner Show, as it were. Scott Warris. Sitting in for Jeff. He'll be back tomorrow. Okay, let me just do this last thing. On, uh, let me just have a little fun with conspiracy theories. And for that, I need my special grassy knoll music. There we go. This is my grassy. All right. There is one. Do you know where the... Uh, Kyle, do you, do you know what movie this is from? I have no idea. This is from JFK. This is uh, one of the main... One of the different uh, music beds from JFK. I use this. When we climb aboard, climb with me, Kyle, and all of you, climb aboard the grassy knoll with me for just a second. Okay, the one conspiracy, and I said, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist guy, so I I peddle this conspiracy tongue-in-cheek, okay? Remember when Michael Jordan went on his baseball binge, uh, late 90s or so? Spent two years as a member of the Chicago White Sox organization. Well, you remember, he had won three World's Championships with the Bulls, then retires from basketball to go do his baseball thing for two years, then comes back and wins three more titles, right? Why in the world would he do that? Did, did that ever make sense? Well, there is, there are stories out there. Bleacher Report does a great job of laying one out, if you're just curious, and climbing onto the grassy knoll with me, that Michael Jordan, his foray into baseball was not was not of his own volition. There is a conspiracy theory out there that Michael Jordan's two years in baseball were actually an agreement he made with then NBA Commissioner David Stern. Because you'll remember Michael Jordan was a he was maybe as competitive a, an athlete as you could find. And he certainly was known for his affinity for gambling. Well, there were several investigations during that time into Jordan's gambling, I will say, addiction, and others that were involved with him. And he did some testifying about these others involved. Well, friends, there is a conspiracy out there that the two years Michael Jordan spent in baseball were not because he wanted to play baseball, but because David Stern had him suspended and Michael Jordan agreed to retire, air quotes, for two years. That was his punishment for his involvement in illegal gambling. Because from an image standpoint, the NBA could not afford to have their best player, one of the greats, be suspended for gambling. And from Jordan's perspective, why would he want something like that on his resume, right? So David Stern and Michael Jordan agree, you're going to go away for a couple years, 
You're going to go play baseball. And in two years, you'll come back and all will be fine with the world. That, that is one of those conspiracies out there that I, tongue-in-cheek, like to peddle from time to time. So I'll turn to you, Kyle, as we sit atop the grassy knoll eating our lunch here on a Monday afternoon. Is there any conspiracy that you, if even tongue-in-cheek, mind peddling from time to time? Uh, no, not really. Uh, but before I give you really anything, this song is uh, just making me really crack up. <laughs> this, this is, is from scary. JFK. This is from Men in Black, if anything. Holy cow. <laughs> um, but... Is there anything out there? It's I mean, if, if I'm you, if I'm going to believe in anything that's been sort of covered up or sure. something by the government, it's going to be aliens, I guess. But I think a, much of that is sort of out of the con- government's control, right? So a little Area 51, we're going here, right? And 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 uh, there's a great podcast that Aaron Rodgers was on once uh, where he was talking about he basically witnessed a alien spacecraft of some kind flying mm-hmm. around because there's a couple different ways you can know if it's happening typically there's fighter jets around trying to like get it away from whatever is Usually. he sure it wasn't a drone operated by bill belichick <laughs> trying to well this is when he was when he was drafted but this oh, is this okay. before the draft okay. this is when he was in new jersey and uh, it always happens near a nuclear power plant, somewhere near there as well, which was where one was in the Jersey area before he was drafted. So, there, like, that's one thing that he is kind of staunch on. I can, like, I, I will go to my grave knowing that I saw aliens. That's one thing that he says. Um, so I think if there's anything... So you're with him on that. So maybe if, if you were to venture onto the grassy knoll today, which you are... You would peddle the Area 51 UFOs government cover-up conspiracy. Right, but again, I, I, I don't think there's that much that the government can really do that's in their power to cover up mm. everything. We'll see. I don't know. All right. Very good. We'll put you down for Area 51 conspiracy. But there are people out there. You know, we didn't land on the moon, and that Adolf Hitler, Elvis Presley, and Amelia Earhart are hanging out at, you know, West Palm Beach somewhere on a, you know, just kind of running a surf shop or something like that. Yeah, see Mitch from Sturgeon Bay. He's with me on this one. Mitch texting in. Jordan was forced to retire because his gambling debts also got his father murdered. Now there's a different avenue to the conspiracy. And he was, you know, forced to retire because of it. Well, anyway, as the Epstein conspiracies roll on, I just thought... We would spend a little time on this Monday afternoon here on the Grassy Knoll. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Not so fast, big voice guy. Jeff is off today. I am Scott Warris. Jeff will be back tomorrow. Needing an extra day to recuperate from the Wisconsin State Fair. And again... I don't know. I'm trying to think just anecdotally in my own mind, thinking back in the last few years. Weather-wise, I mean, Kathleen O'Leary did all the right things. She prayed to all the right gods. She <laughs> she offered the right sacrifices yeah. up to Mother Nature and every kind of thing that she needed to do. I, You could not have asked, and I know that that's a cliche, but was there ever a bad day for the fair this year maybe yesterday yes, say, oh, maybe yesterday only because there were clouds breaking uh, uh, you know that didn't allow the sun to shine there had been a goat sacrifice yesterday that's what they forgot about 
Did you visit the goat sacrifice tent at the fair this year? <laughs> That's why the rain was so limited. That was, that was one of the new things. I didn't hear publicizing that. And don't forget, after you stop and get your, your, your glass of milk at the dairy barn, yeah. stop over at the sacrifice tent. <laughs> See a pagan ritual. Bring, bring your own goat. Bring your own pig. Bring your own whatever you want to sacrifice. That would have been awesome. That was a big hit this year, I understand. <laughs> and that was fun. That was great. And a, a big, I'm not the first, I won't be the last, but thanks to everybody who stopped out, said hi, uh, everybody behind the scenes for helping to to uh, really make that and continue the tradition of WTMJ out there in the Fishbowl studio. We'll be back again next year, the 2020 edition of the Wisconsin State Fair. Just a couple of quick comments here on the latest scooter uh, chapter, a new chapter added this weekend when the Department of Public Works and uh, the mayor's office said that we are now going to, we're going to end the pause. Okay, just remember where, where we're at with all of this. This is a probationary period for the entire program. It runs until the end of the year. Side note, can't wait to see the scooters motoring around on December 19th, you know, when we're shoveling out of 10 inches of snow. So we're in this probationary period where we're just kind of sampling the scooters, right? Okay. Now, a week ago last Friday, was that the 2nd? Yeah. August 2nd, Mayor Barrett, Friday night, news conference at the podium outside his office, City Hall, said, I am being inundated with complaints from citizens, from pedestrians, from business owners who are saying, look, people are you don't know what you're doing on the scooters, or if you do know what you're doing, you're choosing not to follow the rules. He referenced complaints he got from somebody in a wheelchair who had to maneuver around scooters as they were flying down the sidewalk. People coming out of businesses, opening up a door, or just anything, opening up a door on a sidewalk, and view, there's a scooter, 15 miles an hour. How'd that go? View. So that's a no-no. Anyway, Barrett says, look, we're going to put a pause on flooding the market with any other companies because remember it was not just lime but there were a couple other companies that were promised their scooters on the streets during this test period well barrett said hang on putting a pause on anybody else adding scooters until scooter users use them correctly well i thought that would at least go for a while apparently from friday the second through Saturday the 10th, I'm led to believe that apparently enough users started using them correctly because on Saturday, Mayor Barrett and, uh, as I said, Public Works Department said, okay, we're going to open this thing up. We've got the Lime scooters out there. Now we're going to allow Spin and Bird. There's something about the... the um, the single-word scooter companies. I mean, are there any two-word ones? Okay, maybe not. Spin are the orange and black ones, by the way. Bird scooters are the black and white ones, and then you got the lime ones, white, green, and black. So anyway, apparently people are using them correctly now, which I kind of have a hard time believing. I mean, if you're not going to use them correctly, are you going to be chastised by the mayor of the city and then use them correctly, and then seven days later, here we go, let's just allow these other companies to come in. So 
There are now three companies, as we've been talking about, and Jane Matinair has the story in our newscasts. Two other companies, three total, more scooters are out there in Milwaukee. We'll see how it plays out. I am still convinced that there are enough people out there who are going to ruin it for everyone. I really do. Oh, maybe I'll be proven wrong. But I just think that in the end, there's going to be too many people too many people on the sidewalks, which you're not supposed to do, too many people in the, in the roads, maybe not even in the bike paths, the bike lanes, the bike lanes. You're supposed to be on the bike lane in the road. Side note, um, I read in Atlanta... They have had four, four fatalities, four scooter operators die from being hit by automobiles when in the road. God forbid that happened here, but that's kind of the very worst case scenario. So you have that development. So when you start to see a couple others out there, a couple other colored scooters, that's why. But this one, and I guess I thought this happened over the weekend, but the uh, Journal Sentinel had it. It was on Friday. I realize people are misusing the scooters. And like I said, I think it's going to ruin it for everybody in the end. But there was a 12-year-old boy named Will Bauman. He fished a lime scooter out of Lake Michigan. That is kind of one of the uh, the height of misuse, wouldn't you say? So... 12-year-old Will is fishing for carp right near the art museum. And that's when he notices, oh, look, there's a, there's a lime scooter in the lake. He helped out, or he was, uh, he recruited the help of Tom Ritter, JS Online reports this, who works nearby at Lakeshore Rentals. They rent the paddle boats, other watercraft. So you've got these two people, they're trying for 15 minutes to fish the scooter out with a magnet. That's interesting. No success. So the guy, not the boy, the, the the guy decides to jump in and get the scooter himself. Hmm. He thinks someone's threw it off a bridge near the Milwaukee <laughs> near the Milwaukee Art Museum. That is an example, like I said, of having a lot of people ruin it. Man said, some love them, some hate them. But people need to not throw them in the water. That's not the solution to the problem they perceive. Okay, well, that now, that now that's something I had not considered, that it's somebody who hates the scooters so much they're just chucking them into the water. Okay, I guess that could have been a case. But nonetheless, stories like this aren't going to help the overall cause, and we'll see where this goes. I'm not going to open this one up to calls right now because I think it's still a little bit premature. Um, I know that Jeff and Steve and even I have on, on the Saturday show have kind of just gotten feedback on where we are with the scooter situation I will say this right now. I think this is a very critical point or a critical period, really, for the entire program because you've got more flooding the system, and we'll see how it goes. And again, I'm really intrigued as to how in the world are they going to do this in the winter time. There's no way that the scooters can still be in use. They've got to scale back the numbers. I need to find the answer to this. If if the scooter program is put in place permanently there is no way they would allow for the same number of scooters to be on the streets of milwaukee in the middle of winter as they are here in the middle of august right i know you have other warmer weather cities atlanta san diego you can do this year round but you can't have it here right we will continue to monitor i guess we'll call that your scooter update for monday august the 12th 
Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Scott Warris sitting in for Jeff with you until 3 o'clock. 414-799-1620, that the Akin Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can email in scott.warris at wtmj.com. Somebody's saying that the birds will migrate south for the winter, but I'm bum. If you play that out, you could say that the limes will go dormant only to sprout again in the spring. That's what will happen to the scooters. Okay, this next... This, I, I, I want to I gauge your reaction, and I need you to be very honest about this. Not that I ever encourage anybody to call in and lie, but I, I, I need a little uh, self-disclosure uh, self from you because I want to do a little self-disclosure myself because it's difficult to do self-disclosure for someone else, candidly, just by definition. This past weekend, I think we had two silver alerts. You know what the silver alerts are? They are, in essence an amber alert for someone who is older and maybe believed to have uh, problems like Alzheimer's, dementia, some sort of cognitive impairment. And you may get alerts to your phone. You may see on the highway, the DOT video boards, if you will, you know, the ones that normally say how many minutes from point A to point B, Oftentimes, they will put the silver alert information up there. If this person has used a vehicle or is known to have used a vehicle, otherwise, if they've walked away, perhaps there's just a physical description of the person. Anyway, here in Wisconsin, the silver alert was instituted by, by Governor Walker back in April of 2014. We are not alone. Silver alerts are, are I, I got to double check, but they're, they're pretty much ubiquitous throughout the United States. They are, in essence, the amber alert for older people who are also impaired in some other way. They go missing. Authorities are notified. A silver alert goes out. Like I said, we had, a, I think, two of them over Saturday, Sunday. Both of them ended um, happily, I guess you'd say. They were found safe and sound. In the last week, I think we've had four. And I say that because uh, here at WTMJ, we also get email notifications from authorities whenever a silver alert goes out. But here's the question I have, and I, I would really, I really want to know if anybody is like me. And again, self-disclosure, so I ask for the same from you. I have found that in the last several years, and again, we're over five years of the silver alert, I get the email or I'm driving and I, I see it on the overhead video board, the DOT. I'm not giving the silver alerts the same amount of attention, just personally as a citizen, that I do for the amber alerts. And I am growing more concerned that, in large part, people because there are more silver alerts issued than amber alerts, I fear that people are going to be more apt to ignore them and not pay as much attention to silver alerts as they do amber alerts. When you get an amber alert, I know just from my own personal reaction, especially if I'm driving, I will kind of process and I will make a... a, a 
conscious decision, a mental note, if you will, okay, it is a blue Toyota RAV4 license plate, da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. And as I then travel the rest of my day, the rest of my course, the rest of the whatever, I'm going to keep that in mind. But I'll be honest, as time goes by, the silver alerts are kind of in one ear and out the other. Am I alone in this? Uh, maybe I am. And if I am, I guess that's a good thing because then there's people that are out there <laughs> that are, are taking it to heart more than I am. And I, I sadly admit it's just a matter of there are so many of these that over time, I think it's just a natural human reaction to not pay as close attention as we probably should. And maybe I'm alone. Maybe nobody calls or texts, and then I'll have my answer. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunin Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, call up and scold me. I'll take it because I know that I'm not doing what I should. I need to be a more conscientious citizen. I need to be a better Wisconsinite to look out for my fellow Wisconsinites. But... As time goes by, I'm just not giving credence to silver alerts as I think I as I know I do for amber alerts. I had that reaction this weekend, and I'm just wondering if they're starting to fall on deaf ears. I hope that's not the case. What's your reaction? What's your thoughts? Agree, disagree? 414-799-1620. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, discussing, not to say the value of silver alerts, because I think we would all agree there is a value to the silver alert, but I feel, just personally, that there have been so many, or they come across so frequently, more so than amber alerts, that there's a certain dulling of my senses if you will when i when i learn of a silver alert and and i'm disappointed in myself for that but we had two this weekend and it was kind of in one ear and out the other shame on me shame on me i, I get that as opposed to an amber alert whereby i i i know for a fact that i pay much closer attention to the details of the vehicle or the people involved in the abduction of a child now why is that why am I reacting so much more differently to the abduction of a child than when an adult, an older person, disappears? And oftentimes it's because of some sort of cognitive disability, or they're suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia. There are five criteria for the issuance of a silver alert per Wisconsin law. Number one is the missing person 60 years of age or older. Number two, are they believed to have Alzheimer's, dementia, or other permanent permanent cognitive impairment, which poses a threat to their health and safety? Number three, is there reasonable belief that the missing person's disappearance is due to their impaired cognitive and condition? Number four, is the silver alert request within 72 hours of the disappearance? And number five, is there sufficient information available to disseminate to the public that could assist in locating the missing person? So they're the five criteria for issuance of a silver alert with the caveat that if any of these are not present, a missing endangered alert may be issued via the Wisconsin Crime Alert Network. So you don't necessarily have to have all five, but in essence, those are the 
criteria that are listed. Jim and Diane, we're going to come to you. Do not hang up. I want to hear your uh, reactions, especially Diane and Franklin, who is, uh, this uh, strikes close to home for her. The texts are coming in fast and furious as well. Plenty of lines open, though, at 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One thirty-seven. Jeff is off. I am Scott. Appreciate you joining us on this Monday. Jeff is back tomorrow. Okay, to the phones now at four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Talking about silver alerts, we had several of them over the weekend. A bunch of them in the last week, and uh, not that it's falling on deaf ears, but for me, it kind of is. I'm not going to lie, and we're not proud of it. But I just. Curious if you noticed the same thing. Let's start in New Berlin. Let's talk to Jim. Good afternoon, Jim. You're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Hi. Um, I, uh, I am a, a spouse of a, of a woman with Alzheimer's, and I also have grandchildren. Uh, I, first of all, I would like you, I'd like to give you permission to take the uh, amber alerts uh, more seriously than the silver. Because okay. if it's a child, it's almost certainly somebody taking them. Mm. Not always, but whereas if it's an Alzheimer's patient, they are probably fairly nearby, and nobody is likely going to kidnap them like they would a child. So I think I think your reasoning is good, but let me say a couple things. First of all, the silver alerts are really important in cold weather, mm. and they're really important at night. Those are things that can be dangerous to the uh, wandering senior citizen. Um, and so I, I don't blame you for taking the amber alerts more serious, but let me just make a case the silver alerts are too. Thanks for the call, Jim, and I appreciate your perspective going through what you go through on a daily basis. 414-799-1620, Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line um, from the 941, uh, kind of a similar text to the call right there by Jim. It's a natural reaction. He says, you're not that terrible a person. It's a natural reaction to be more compelled by a helpless, missing, or abducted child and the parent's anguish. Uh, then it comes to oftentimes the comparison to someone who is older, suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia, and has walked away or wandered away from their place of residence. Let's head to Franklin and bring in Diane. Good afternoon, Diane. You're on WTMJ, and this is a topic, and a, the the uh, silver alert is, is a, a device that hits close to home for you, I understand. I, uh, yes, it's... So my mother has dementia, and when she moved from her condo into an assisted living, she um, had her address label from her old place, and she walked away. She got to a gas station, and someone was very kind in February to give her a, home, a ride to her old home. But in the meantime, the facility, nor I, nor my sisters knew where my mother was. And it was freezing cold, like Jim said, the time that you're most concerned about your parents. So I agree. I do pay uh, probably more attention to the Amber Alert. 
but because of my personal experience, um, I am very attentive to the silver alert as well. Hmm. Do you feel as if there are more of the silver alerts as time goes by? It, it strikes me as if we're hearing about these situations more frequently, or is that just me? No, I would say I am seeing many more frequently, mm. but I think it's because of, uh, it might be, people are trying to keep their family members home and keep them safe, and they can get out of your home very quickly. And it's, when we would, we did not have to call the silver alert for my mother, mm-hmm. um, but we were very, very close to doing that because it's freezing cold out, and you have no idea where they are. Yeah, it certainly becomes more valuable in some months, maybe more than others. Diane, I appreciate the call very much, and as you and Jim both mentioned. Patty and McGuadago texts in on the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line to the point that Diane and I were just discussing. Bigger question is why? Why are we having all these alerts? Patty asks, are they walking away from assisted living or memory care units? That's my question. Or, as I would interject, maybe it is that more people are more more people who fall under the classification of those five criteria. Later, maybe they are just they're still in residential homes. There's family members who are keeping them at home more so than putting them in some sort of facility, and thus it is easier to go missing. Anyway, I appreciate the feedback and uh, some of the stories that that you share. Like I said, it was just something that struck me this weekend with a couple more that ended positively. Uh, I think it was uh, two uh, elderly women were found safe and sound, returned to their residence. And it just struck me that, man, I'm just not personally, and I was at the beginning, 2014, 2015, but now it just seems like silver alerts are coming more fast and furious than the amber alerts. And If I see an Amber Alert, I'm just paying more attention to it. But as some of you say, that may be warranted because of the victim at the center of an Amber Alert versus the victim at the center of a Silver Alert. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner taking an extra day, long weekend for Mr. Wagner. Be back tomorrow. Scott Waters, that's me. Kyle producing as always. Let's have a, um, a, a one last note. Nine two zero. This is a perfect way to cap off our silver alert versus amber alert discussion. The nine two zero texter. Please take all alerts seriously. They are provided for a reason. Amen. I'm with you. If there's an alert, pay attention. You never know. You might be the one that solves that mystery. That is uh, the gives the tip that allows authorities to find whomever is missing. Okay, this is something that I've tried on a couple of the other shows, whether I'm filling in for Steve, doing the night's show, maybe my Saturday show, all those different platforms. We're going to have a little read my mind, okay? It's just, <laughs> I wish I could tell you that this next, this, this read my mind today was something that I was formulating for a long time and finding the right way to craft the topic and this and that. I'm not going to lie. This just hit me during that that three-minute commercial break. It's something, as I'm watching the news, so I'm going to give some clues here. As I'm watching the news on the different monitors in in the station, as I'm thinking back on some of the great times that we've had over the last 11 days at the Wisconsin State Fair, can you read my mind? Here's the question. Let's have some fun here. 414-799-1620, Acunin Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I would put the Wisconsin State Fair up against any other fair in the country. 
And as we sit here, midway, approaching the midway point of August, there is there is something that makes the Wisconsin State Fair so much better than one particular state fair in the Midwest. And it is by virtue of what we in Wisconsin do not have to deal with for those 11 days. Does that make sense? Is that too convoluted a question? This may be a little a little difficult, and it's always difficult and sometimes dangerous to read my mind. What is it that we in Wisconsin do not have to deal with during our state fair that a certain other state fair in the Midwest has to deal with and it just hit me during that commercial break how much more unenjoyable would our state fair be if we had to put up with what another one of our neighboring states, another hint, has to put up during the run of their state fair. 414-799-1620, Acun and Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 414-799-1620. What is it that makes our Wisconsin State Fair so much better than their State Fair because of what we do not have in comparison to them? Read my mind. The good old days, the honest man, the restless heart, the what i'm asking 153 it's time for a can you read my mind the question is and it just hit me in the last few minutes i think our wisconsin state fair is right up there with i i would put us up there with every other state fair every other state in the union but it just hit me there is something that puts us so far above another state fair which gets a lot of attention And it's not for something we have that they don't. It's for something we don't have that they do. Okay. The text line, the phone line's blowing up here. A lot of people think they can read my mind. Let's see. From the 920 on the text line, weather. Weather. Yeah, we had nice weather in certain other states. I mean, can you imagine going to the state fair in Arizona where the average daytime temperature is probably one, well, it's triple digits, I know that, 100 and something or other. Yeah, we have nice weather. Okay, now there's something else. There's something else that we do not have in Wisconsin that a certain other state has, and thank God we don't have it. That's all I'm saying. All right, a lot of right answers here. Um, Lisa, in Mequon, read my mind, Lisa. What am I thinking of? What don't we have at our outstanding state fair that another state has to deal with? And thank goodness for it. Uh, well, Scott, uh, either you asked the easiest question ever, or I have ESP, but it is that the Democratic candidates are all coming through the Iowa State Fair. Yes, and, and we took on corn on the cob. Yes. And I don't care if it's Democrats or Republicans. It's the fact that you got politicians are currently invading the Iowa State Fair. They do it every year. 
every election cycle anyway, not every year, but every four years, if you will, because Iowa, of course, the first in the nation when it comes to primary or caucuses. They're, they're a caucus, right? Yeah, the Iowa caucus. Yes, you got it, Lisa. Many of you do. Let's continue. Tony in Brookfield, you had the same answer, didn't you, Tone? Uh, I, I did like locusts. <laughs> they, they, they invented the Iowa State Fair. Them and the media. Well, just, no, nobody, nobody loves more having a microphone in their face. Oh, uh, Tony, talking about a politician who's not even the candidate. Tony, just think, just think, if Wisconsin was the first primary or caucus state in the union, and every August, as as we descend on the Wisconsin State Fair. You have to deal, or not every August, again, every election cycle August, you have to deal with politicians walking around, the mob scene with the media, all that stuff. No thank you. Richard and Oshkosh, you were thinking along with me, weren't you, Richard? Yes, I was. I, I said the same thing, poli- the lack of politicians. <laughs> uh, years ago with the Milwaukee, or with the Wisconsin State Fair, you'd occasionally see Senator Bill Proxmire shaking hands with people but uh, it's nothing like what went on at Iowa State Fair. Nothing like they're experiencing right now in Iowa. Thanks for the call. Let's have one more. Mike in Menominee Falls, how glorious is it that our Wisconsin State Fair is not inundated with politicians running for president? I I think, actually, we could have a way to combine the, the highlight of our fair with politicians. Maybe if we take cream puffs and have a, if any politician comes from Wisconsin, we have to, they have to take a cream puff in the face to be able to walk around. That would be fun. That would be, let's say you have to come to Wisconsin, but you got people get to throw cream puffs at you. That to me would be the best combination we could get. Ah, thanks, Mike. Yeah, it's on a lot of people on the text line. Got it as well. Um, yes, indeed. It just it hit me because right now the Iowa State Fair is running. So congratulations to everybody. That was perhaps an easier edition of Read My Mind. Sometimes scary, sometimes not. Good job to everybody. You're with me. Maybe I made that too obvious. But the Iowa State Fair, they're right smack dab in it right now. It runs August 8th to the 18th. And I'm looking up at one of the many TV monitors in here. And there you have, uh, I think it was uh, Cory Booker stumping in one of the tents and and it just now i realize for iowans is that the right term iowans iowites iowanians for residents of iowa it is an every election cycle phenomenon so it's it's something you're used to by that but just think all the people as it is at the wisconsin state fair and you can be elbow to elbow elbow in some areas just imagine if the Wisconsin State Fair had to be inundated with, in this case, over 20 candidates running for president. No thank you. You can have that, Iowa. You can own that. But here as we just wrap up our own fair to see the images out of Iowa and just ugh, would want no part of that. The State Fair should be one of those apolitical venues, and that is certainly not the case for our neighbors to the south and west 158 when we come back 25 years ago today was a real watershed moment in the world of sports does anybody remember does anybody care were you affected by it a couple other odds and ends i want to get to as well and yes indeed we may squeeze in a wagner show edition of great scott before we get out of here at three o'clock melissa barclay is on deck she'll get us caught up on the news here on wtmj 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 208, final hour of a Wagnerless edition of a Monday show. Scott Warris sitting in for Jeff, who will return tomorrow. I'm going to get into, somebody just texted in, Scott, you've been talking about this 25th anniversary thing uh, all afternoon. What was it? I'm going to get to that in just a second. I promise, I promise. But first, this story, real quickly, is um, uh, very interesting and curious to me. It's Fox News reports. (laughs) Authorities in the United Kingdom, follow, follow, follow me here. Authorities in the United Kingdom have warned people online against mocking the hairstyle of a wanted, convicted drug dealer or they themselves could face their own criminal charges. Do you see what I... you understand what's happening here? The Gwent Police Department in South Wales had posted Facebook to appeal for information about 21-year-old Jermaine Taylor. He violated his parole after being released from prison in December. He received a three-year sentence for supplying controlled drugs, cocaine... After being sentenced in court back in September of 2017. So the police department goes on Facebook, posts the 21-year-old's mugshot in addition to an appeal for information. (laughs) Which makes total sense. But the image, which shows... Now they describe it simply as a receding hairline. (laughs) It's, It's not just your typical receding hairline. The image went viral with more than 13,000 shares, 10,000 likes, and over 81,000 comments. Many in the comments section took to making jokes and puns at, again, <laughs> this convict's hair. Somebody wrote, looks like his hairline is on the run. T- you got to. You got to, Kyle, look this up because I, you need to, I, I need to describe this. It's, he's, he's bald. He's got the, the horseshoe hairline, if you will. But then the hair that he does have is standing straight. It's standing straight up. That's the best way I can explain it. Somebody wrote, like I say, it looks like his hairline is on the run too. Another user commented, his hairline goes back further than my family tree. But, Here's the hook, because he's a weird-looking inmate. Um, authorities are not happy that people are making fun of him. And they have said, please remember that harassing, threatening, or abusing people on social media can be against the law. This is in the United Kingdom. Our advice is to be as careful on social media as you would in any other form of communication If you say something about someone which is grossly offensive or is of an indecent, obscene, or menacing character, then you yourself could be investigated by the police. (laughs) People are mocking the... Do you understand what happened here? They're mocking the hairstyle of a wanted, convicted drug dealer. And now the police are threatening the people for whom they're asking help. They're threatening possible legal issues and criminal issues because they're making fun of him on Facebook. Now the Brits, they're clearly a lot more sensitive about their criminals' hairlines than we are in the United States. Yeah, that'll help the situation real fast. 
go after the people who are making fun of the convicts or the criminals' hairline instead of the criminal himself. <laughs> I just give that out there. Okay. 25 years ago today, you were how old, Kyle? Make me feel old here. Go for it. Uh, four. A young Kyle Pachinski roaming around the house, getting into mischief and trouble as a four-year-old. 25, 25 years ago today, I was 13 years old. So I remember this vividly. Do you know what happened uh, 25 years ago today? August 12th, 1994. Maybe we could have done this as a read my mind. August 12th, 1994. This is a very important date in sports history, in baseball history. It was on this date in 1994 that the players went on strike. Hard to believe. That was 25 years ago today. And in addition to just the strike, that led to the cancellation of the World Series, the 1994 World Series. So here we were in August. Today was the first day of the strike in 1994. Wiped out the games for the rest of August, September. It wiped out October baseball. The World Series was canceled. Our very own Bud Selig, then the interim commissioner, having to work his way through that sticky situation, announcing that the World Series would be canceled. It bled into the 1995 season, which didn't get underway until it was mid-April or so. So it, it infringed upon the, the 1995 baseball season as well. But nevertheless, I know for many of you who remember the baseball strike of 1994, it was for, dare I say, a generation, but certainly for many, many fans of baseball, it was a breaking point. The fact that, not, not just that it was a work stoppage, but that the work stoppage caused the cancellation of the World Series. It's the first time ever that a a work stoppage had been the reason for uh, the cancellation of a World Series. First time ever. The fact that that happened, for a lot of people, ruined the sport of baseball. And a lot of people said, "I'm, I'm turning it off. I'm not coming back. This is irreparable damage to my fandom of this sport. I'll move on to other sports. And I'm just curious, for those of you who lived through it, who were of age to experience it, maybe not four years old, but a little bit older, like myself, if the baseball strike of 94, now a quarter century later, did that, in hindsight, change you at all? And again, you don't necessarily have to have been a diehard sports fan. Obviously, the more diehard you were, the more invested you are in the sport, in your team, the Brewers, or what have you, and so there's a likelihood that you were impacted by it. But I think maybe for fringe baseball fans, there is a good chance that the 94 players' strike altered your baseball fandom forever because in many cases it's the fringe fans who get turned off by something like that and say, you know what, okay, they're not playing anymore, I'm not going to pay attention, and maybe you never come back. I think the 1994 players' strike in baseball was a real catalyst for the 
overpaid, overpriced professional sports athletes, and it fed into a narrative today that I think is founded on a lot of jealousy, to be honest with you, when it comes to the athletes and what they get paid and things like that and whether or not you believe that it's fair or appropriate that they get paid as much money as they do. But I remember thinking back myself, you know, 13 years old, young baseball fan, young Brewers fan growing up right here in, in, in the city, and Brewers were bad, so it was not as if they had World Series championship aspirations in 94. Remember, they were great in 92, 1992. Went with the Toronto Blue Jays neck and deck right down to the wire for the AL East crown. And then 93, that was the, the begin of, beginning, for the Brewers anyway, of a, of a real a real march, a real walk through the desert, if you will, before Adonazio buys the team and, and we, we know the upswing that they have had in, in this decade, certainly. But 414-799-1620, Acunin Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. And again, I don't want to... I don't want to make anybody who's not a, a true baseball fan or a real diehard baseball fan hesitant about weighing in on this because I think in some ways your feedback is just as valuable as anybody else's. But if you think back, maybe it's hard to believe that it was 25 years ago. Were you turned off by baseball? Did you come back to baseball? And what brought you back? Because I think there are a few things, although controversial, there are a few things that brought baseball back into the lexicon. Although I admit there are probably people out there who were turned off and although it was a quarter century ago, have never fully come back. But that's what I just want to talk about for the next few minutes. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Hard to believe, 25 years ago today, Major League Baseball players went on strike, leading to the the unthinkable the cancellation of the World Series. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Scott Warris in for the vacationing Jeff Wagner. 25 years ago today, Major League Baseball went on strike. And I know for a lot of people, turn them off from the sport altogether. Maybe forever altered your baseball fandom. Some more than others. Maybe some of you, you were right back again once they got going, although delayed, the 1995 season. Maybe it took a few other outside factors to play a role in bringing you back to baseball. And I've got a few on my list. You might bring up some. Maybe you never came back. Maybe now you're back because the Brewers are good. I think that that was a big thing. And maybe right here in Milwaukee. Like I say, the Brewers starting to go through some some dire times in the mid '90s. County Stadium in its final decade is you know not the greatest spot to go watch a baseball game, and that that certainly impacts people as well. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, the Akin and Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Two six two Texter says, "I'm a rabid fan. My sport of choice, baseball. Forty years old. Boycott of ten years." Wow. Went and watched Little League Baseball and traveled to Mallard's games. Hmm. Madison Mallard's and Northwoods League, right? So, again, finding a way to 
satisfy your baseball craving outside of Major League Baseball when they were on strike, and maybe it took you a while to get back, as the 262 said. Boycott of 10 years. Wow. All right, to the phones, shall we? Let's start with Sandy in Racine. Good afternoon, Sandy. You're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you doing? I'm well. Can you believe that was 25 years ago already? I cannot believe that. (laughs) Um, I was in my 30s, and I'm a big baseball fan even to this day, even though I haven't been as many games as I did back then. But uh, the strike didn't mean anything to me, but I worked with a guy who completely he was just uh, such a baseball fan that he would he even won won a contest to to uh, play do the play by play one one game, hmm. but he quit baseball completely after that. Wow! Did he ever come? I mean, I don't know if you still stay in touch with him or not, but did he ever come around to it again a little bit? Or, not or that no? I know of, no, he sure. completely gave up baseball, and you know that was it. But it, it, as far as it, it, it did not impact your fandom at all. No, not at all. No. Nope. Why not? Um, why? Because I just, I was, I was upset it happened, but I knew you know it wasn't really the players' fault. So just love the game so much, I didn't care. Hmm. Thanks for the call, Sandy. I do appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. The baseball strike of nineteen ninety four. I don't know. If that was completely not the players' fault. I mean. The, it was a strike, more so than a lockout. Are we getting into different um, you know, terminology here for what was the reason? It was a work stoppage, bottom line, okay? Whichever side you want to blame, whichever side you want to defend. Let's continue our Sandy theme. Sandy and Sullivan, you're next up on WTMJ. Sandy, hello. Hi. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, so 25 years ago, the baseball yeah. strike. Yep. Um, that was it for me. I quit watching, and I haven't gone back to it since. Really? Uh, yep. When football players play in sub-freezing temperatures, raining, snowing, sleeting, and baseball, you know, it rains, they quit, they don't play in the cold weather. They now, make- uh, Sandy, let me ask you this. When you were a baseball fan, 25 years and one day ago, <laughs> when you were a baseball fan, like a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being as diehard as it gets, where were you 1 to 10? About 8. Oh, that's pretty strong. And So you swore off baseball 25 yep, years that, ago today. That did it for me. I, that ruined it. Even when the yep. Brewers in recent years have been so good and so competitive, and yes, last year won game away from the World Series, you you weren't? Nope. Nope. Wow. That did it for me. Is there anything that could turn you around all these years later? Uh, no, I, I guess I just lost interest. Hmm. And I used to watch them all the time. Now, now football is my sport of choice. Interesting. Football, by the way, thanks for the call, Sandy. The NFL may be looking at a work stoppage in the not-too-distant future themselves. Uh, different story for a different day. 414-799-1620, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 25 years ago today, Major League Baseball saw the work stoppage that eventually canceled the World Series. Are you like Sandy right there, the second Sandy, who has not followed baseball since? Or are you like the first Sandy who 
is still a fan throughout it all. Dave and Stephen, hang on the line. We'll get to you in just a couple of moments. The texts are coming in as well as we continue. Scott Warrison for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> get pulled something there coming out of break. 228, let's uh, quickly squeeze in a couple of phone calls here. Dave in Milwaukee, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Dave. Hi. So uh, how did the 1994 baseball strike impact you, or didn't it? Uh, It did. I quit watching it. I have not been back. The the most I get out of it is listening to the news when they tell the scores. I, I will not see or hear a baseball game. And it's been 25 years since you last. Yeah. Wow. Now, like I asked Sandy earlier, before uh, August 12th, 1994, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the high uh, mark, where were you as a baseball fan? 8 to 9. Wow. And that was enough. And you, yeah. Did you ever think about coming back? I don't know if you're a Brewers fan or not, but like when the Brewers were getting good, Miller Park, all that good stuff, did you ever no. think about coming back? Not once. Wow. Why not? Because you don't get rid of your biggest event of the year. Mm. I know that. Yeah, thanks for the call, Dave. I know that uh, that scar is still very fresh in uh, Bud Selig's heart and baseball mind and baseball heart. He has said so on a few different occasions. Quickly to Fond du Lac. Stephen, I've got about 30 seconds. So, Stephen, did uh, you ever come back to baseball? Yes, I did. I I came back uh, during the home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. That kind of brought me back into it. It made it a little bit more exciting and to see history. Yeah, that happened. That was the 1998 season. So that was basically three years, three seasons later. The McGuire Sosa home run chase. I think that is one of those, or or that was one of those. In um, what would you say influencing factors that brought a lot of people back to the sport? Thanks for the call, Stephen. You can also list, I would say, Cal Ripken Jr.'s streak, his pursuit, and eventual passing of Lou Gehrig's consecutive game streak. Cal Ripken Jr. You talk about two different. You know, there's obviously the, the steroid era, which you cannot talk the home run race of 98 without the steroid element. But you have that. You have Cal Ripken on the much more purist level of baseball. Those two things were 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 immensely important in bringing big swaths of fans back to Major League Baseball. Some really good texts coming in, and I'm going to get to, to some of those in just a few moments. Uh, David and Sheboygan, hang on as well. We'll uh, go for just a couple of moments longer. 25 years ago today... Major League Baseball's work stoppage would ultimately lead to the cancellation of the World Series. Haven't had a baseball work stoppage since. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Scott Warris sitting in for Jeff Wagner for just a few more minutes before Wisconsin's afternoon news takes over at 3 o'clock. To the text line here as we were just reflecting on the 25th anniversary of the Major League Baseball players' strike. That was the last time that baseball was at a work stoppage. It's only the second time, the second time in the history of the sport where the World Series did not happen. I'll give you that little fun fact in just a second. But uh, a couple of good texts. 
608 says, I was 31 in 1994. The MLB strike turned me off, but I'm a diehard baseball fan, so I was back to it in 1995. Uh, Let's see. The 262, it only made our family not care about baseball for a couple years. But my son and nephews got older and got into baseball, and we were watching and playing baseball again after that. That is one factor that probably brought back a lot of fans that I did not take into account is that, like, if you were a teenager or even in your early 20s, when this happened in 94, you then have kids or your family grows and all of a sudden your sons, for example, don't know anything about the strike. They want to play baseball. They play baseball. You go help them play baseball. Next thing you know, you're watching baseball again because of a younger generation that was not impacted by it. Rick in Milwaukee, I was 44 at uh, the time of the strike. Being a fan of football, basketball, baseball, and golf, I did not miss it. There is so much overlap of seasons. There is, but there's something to be said for having canceled the World Series. 414 was a big fan of baseball prior to the strike, realized I did not miss it much during the strike, and have been a fair-weather fan ever since. Hmm. So it, 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 hit every, it hit a lot of fans, fringe fans on the periphery of the sport, diehard fans. It hit everybody differently. Look, in, in the last 15 minutes, we have heard people who, in the case of a couple callers, have not paid attention to baseball, shy of overhearing a score, have not paid attention to baseball in 25 years after being pretty diehard baseball fans leading up to August 12th. 1994, got the text from the people saying, yeah, I was really disappointed, but I was back at it in 1995. Then you got people who came back and, man, it was kind of 50-50. So it really runs the gamut. I appreciate everybody who weighed in on that one. So I mentioned, by the way, that the World Series, it was canceled in 1994 because of the work stoppage. The only other time it happened, which is kind of hard to believe, the only other time it happened was in 1904. Now, you might think, well, hang on a second. There's World War II going on. How in the world were they playing the World Series when you had a lot of your game's best players fighting overseas? The the game, (laughs) the show must go on. You had guys like Joe DiMaggio and Phil Rizzuto, Ted Williams, you know. they're, They're fighting World War II, but the World Series went on. But yeah, 1904... And in 1904, it was canceled because there was a National League owner who disappointed the fans by preventing the annual event. He was the owner of the New York Giants. His name was John Brush. He just flat out refused to compete with the Boston Americans because he considered both the team and the American League inferior. So I'm just not going to play. In 1905, when the Giants won the National League championship, He allowed his team to participate in the World Series, but only after the league instituted a number of regulations, henceforth known as the brush rules, which included revenue sharing, the seven-game format. Hmm. Though unpopular in his day, Brush is probably one of the most influential people in World Series history. So, interesting. I will say, if nothing else, it is a, uh, a matter of... You feel old if you realize it was 25 years ago today. 
241, before I get out of here, when we come back, we're going to squeeze in a filling in for Jeff Wagner edition of Great Scott. I've got the list, the top 10 things that food safety experts will not eat. Even the food safety experts won't eat it, and I'm willing to bet if you're like me, you have at least one of these items in your kitchen right now. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 2.45, Jeff is back tomorrow. Scott Warris, and I've enjoyed it this afternoon. I'll be in next Monday as well. A couple of long weekends on tap for Jeff. Certainly has earned it and deserves it. So, at 2.45, you know... Whenever I find myself in for one of the guys, one of the gals here at the station, I always like to squeeze in time for... Great Scott! I have a top ten list for you. In no particular order, really. Foods that even the top nutrition safety experts around the country will not touch. Now, I recognize there's always lists of good food, bad food, eat this, don't eat this, This one caught my attention a little bit more than most because we're talking about the food safety experts and there's at least one that's in my refrigerator right now. But I don't know if I'm going to still eat it. Okay, Uh, Kyle, you jump in uh, on any of these. Um, We'll just go 10 to 1. I don't know if it's in order. But anyway, buffets, buffets. While food regulations have become more stringent, thank goodness, there are a plethora of policies in place for safe food handling and preparation practices. There are too many opportunities for mishandling for my liking. Many chances for cross-contamination, especially when customers serve themselves. So it's the, it's the manner of putting the, the giant spoon in one thing and then using it in the side compartment. and then the, and then the See, I thought for me, I thought it would be the sneeze guard. That thing is... Which, side note, Qdoba, when you go to Qdoba... And they, they do a good job of putting the glass up uh, vertically and horizontally. That doesn't mean you can hang over the top of the sneeze guard and pick out what you want. I saw that happen the other day. It bothered me. So buffets. This is one that I always ask not to have. Will you will you ask for water if they don't offer you water at a restaurant, Kyle? Will you ask for water? Uh, it dep- if it's a nice sort of sit-down restaurant, then then yes. Otherwise, if I'm like if I'm out on a, for a fish fry... I'm just going to have a beer. Thanks. Not only, I know somebody in particular who will always order water with lemon, but sliced lemons are a big no-no for food safety experts. Many bars, restaurants serve what? That wedge of lemon or lime on the sides of sodas, water, or beer. You get it with beer and other beverages. As one nutrition expert and dietitian wrote, I always ask for mine without it or pull it off right away. And this is a great point. You've got a bucket of sliced up lemons. You don't know who's reaching in there, grabbing it. Next thing you know, it's on the rim of your glass. Sliced lemons. No. This this is kind of something you would have, I think. Raw sprouts. Are you a raw sprout? You're always eating healthy food in there. Quirky things in a cloth sack of some sort. I've always, I've always <laughs> known that sprouts are something that you have in your fridge for about the, the day that you need it. And if you don't go through it the next day or the next morning, then it's, it's got to go. Sprouts have been documented as being hosts for many foodborne illness pathogens. How about undercooked ground meat? That seems like an obvious one. I know some people like to have that raw, uh, the, the raw beef and all that thing. Wildcat. Yeah. Uh, well. And undercooked ground meat. That's an obvious one. 
Uh, raw oysters. Yeah, that's a pass for me. But I pass on raw oysters simply for the texture of the food. I can't handle that. It's like having a little plate of snot. That's in, that's interesting. That's, that's on the list because there's some places. Oh, oh my gosh! Now I can't. Yeah. I got to get that out of my mind next time I stop by St. Paul's. But there, there's a couple of different places in Milwaukee that specialize in that in oysters. St. Paul's being one of them. The culprit in raw oysters is Vibrio vul- vulnificus bacteria can be present even if they're harvested from non-polluted waters. There's no way to detect it by sight or smell. Yeah, they're gross anyway. Food from bulk bins. This could be you because sometimes you come in with a, a plastic bag of you know pistachios or things like that. Uh, as uh, one food safety expert said, since I need to avoid gluten, I don't eat from bulk bins at supermarkets. Anyone with celiac disease, gluten sensitivity, or a serious food allergy should do the same due to the possibility of cross-contact because the food isn't packaged. And then you got the tongs going into multiple bins or, or some of the little uh, scoopers. No, no. Yeah, so. Some of the candies, like bulk candies in there, people just dip their hands in there to test one. Ugh. Here's another one. Food safety experts say do not eat sushi. I have never had. Actually, I've had it once, and I choose not to. Again, primarily for texture purposes. I see no reason to consume uncooked fish proteins, says this food safety expert. Even well-seasoned and gently cooked, sautéed and steamed fish is nutritionally rich and food safe. But again, when folks brag to me about eating sushi, I compare it to someone boasting about going through a red light. Sometimes nothing happens, but other times trouble follows. Raw milk. Raw milk on the list, associated with numerous outbreaks over the past decade or two. And uh, that, that's been kind of a hot-button issue. Okay, here's the one that's in my kitchen right now. I, I, I am a fan, or at least up until I found this article, <laughs> of the packaged lunch meats. The pre-packaged lunch meats. I've come around on these. Now, you can go to the deli and get, you know, can I get a quarter pound of sliced salami? Can I get a half a pound of, of ham sliced? And they'll give it to you, you know, right out of the machine, and it's fresh. But there's also been the popularity in recent years of the pre-packaged lunch meats, where you get, you know, X number of slices in a hermetically sealed container. The problem is, at some point, you have to open this container. And that's what they say. Most customers don't realize once open, the product needs to be consumed within how many days? Before? Oh, I'm going to be wrong on this one. Uh, I, I would say uh, 10. Three to five. Yeah. Oh, no. Hey, trust me. I think I've got, I, I'm approaching 10 with a package of meat in my fridge, top shelf, right now. Potential for growth of all kinds of bacteria, which can lead to illness and in some cases be fatal. Oh, jeez. And last but not least... 10 things food safety experts will not eat. So why the heck should we? Potlucks. Potlucks. What are you doing? There's churches and synagogues and community centers all across the country having to deal with potlucks as we speak. While many people view potluck meals as a fun opportunity to enjoy a variety of foods prepared by others, some view them as a risky dining experience filled with hundreds of food safety mysteries. I guess so much for the... WTMJ Chili Dump coming up at the end of the month. I pass this on. Do with this information what you will. That is a Wagner Show edition of Great Scott. Wisconsin's Afternoon News comes up right after this. We'll see what John and Melissa have on their minds, and we'll ask ask John and Melissa what items of that list they have in their refrigerators as well.